Welcome to True Crime Works, a true crime podcast. This is episode number 27, Melvin David Reese, aka The Sex Beast. Welcome back to True Crime Works. I'm your host, Ash, and this week's episode is about Melvin David Reese. He's also known as the Sex Beast, and we will get to that later, of course. So this week's episode is about another murderer. One quick thing before we get started. Some of you have been asking if I had any intention of starting a Patreon, and as of right now, I don't, and that's because I kind of have a hard time coming up with more content and if I ever did make one I'd want to make sure that it had a lot of awesome new content and I just don't really have any ideas for that at the moment so it's not really on my radar. But if you are interested in helping out the podcast there is a link in each episode down below where you can support the podcast. You can consider a small monthly or one-time donation. And that just kind of helps keep things going, and it's really appreciated. And I will give you a first name shout out, if you'd like. So like I said, there's a link to that on the bottom of each episode, and you could also go to it directly at anchor.fm slash truecrimeworks slash support. And thank you so much for asking about this. I really appreciate the feedback and I appreciate you guys wanting to help and support the podcast so we can keep it going in the future because I really enjoy coming up with these episodes and delivering this content to you all. Also, if you are looking for an easier way that doesn't cost money to help the show out, you can always rate, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcast from because it really helps out the show and it helps everyone find the show. All right, that's it for the announcements, so let's just get right into this. Melvin David Reese was born in the year 1928, and I looked everywhere, but there is nothing, and I mean nothing, about his childhood or schooling early on or anything like that, his family life, nothing like that. He did attend college at the University of Maryland in the 1950s. And his classmates would remember him as being a very talented musician. And he used the saxophone, the piano, and the clarinet. He dropped out of college before he could graduate. And that was to pursue some sort of career in the music industry. And he traveled to Washington, D.C. And he would play at the local nightclubs. He played jazz there. And he was really good at this. He was a very talented musician. Everything seemed pretty normal for him until the year 1955 when Melvin was arrested on charges of assaulting an unidentified 36-year-old woman. He tried to force her into his car, but she would later escape. She chose not to press charges, so the case against him was dropped. His friends found out about this, but they just summed it up to either she was lying or... It was just an unfortunate incident. They didn't really think much of it at the time. Later on that decade, he would meet Pat Barrington, and she was a famous actress. They would meet in one of the fancy jazz clubs in the D.C. area. And he was pretty well known at the time because he was a really good musician, and he played at these really fancy jazz clubs, so he'd meet a lot of famous people. 
They hit it off right away. He was good looking and also a talented musician, and she was a beautiful actress. They moved in together shortly after. And there are some reports saying that they were married, but I don't think that's the case. I think she was still legally married to her former husband, but she decided to use the name Pat Reese in order to avoid unwanted gossip because the tabloids are not very friendly. They seemed to have a good relationship. Everything went pretty good. They both worked nights and met back home after they were done working. And of course, they would be attentive to each other and pretty happy. And you can see pictures of them on the internet. They do make a beautiful couple. In the year 1960, Melvin took a job at a piano shop in West Memphis, Arkansas. Pat moved with him, and she was dancing at local clubs there. One day, they were woken by the cops, who arrested Melvin on suspicion of murder. And her world was just rocked at this point, because she had no idea what was going on. She just thought this was a crazy misunderstanding. The charges went back to June of 1957, when a woman named Margaret Harold had been shot and killed while out for a drive with her boyfriend in Maryland. The boyfriend escaped and called the police, only to find her body, and she had been raped in death. Her boyfriend was a U.S. Army sergeant, and he was on weekend leave, so they were just traveling together, and then a car forced them off the road. After exiting the vehicle, Reese displayed a gun and told them that he needed cigarettes and money. And they refused. So Reese got so mad, he shot Margaret Harold in the face, point blank. Her boyfriend was so scared, he fled the scene in order to get help. He ran several fields before he reached the house, and there he called the police. After they found her body, they searched the area, and the authorities found an abandoned cinder block constructed building. And they noticed that a basement window had been broken into. So there they found violent pornographic images and autopsy photos of female corpses taped all over the walls. They also discovered this random yearbook photo of a woman named Wanda Tippin. And Tipton was a 1955 graduate of the University of Maryland. So they called her, of course, to question her. And she denied knowing the man who matched Melvin's description. So, of course, there were no leads. And there was no such thing, really, as DNA back then. So the case went cold for a while. This was until another tragedy occurred. On January 11th, 1959, the Jackson family, Carol Jackson and his wife, Mildred Jackson, and their infant daughters, Janet and Susan, disappeared after visiting relatives. They were driving home on a dirt road in Virginia when they were forced to stop and abducted at gunpoint. A family member of theirs was driving on the same road, and they found their abandoned car and thought that was really odd, so they called the police immediately. And they searched and found that there was no sign of struggle, and it was really suspicious. So they tried to locate the missing family, but they could not. 
It took two months for anyone to locate them. In March 4, 1959, two men were gathering brush near Fredericksburg, Virginia, and they discovered the decomposing body of Carol Jackson in a ditch. He had been shot in the back of the head. His hands were also tied behind him. Carol's body was actually on top of the 18-month-old Janet's body. And it was later found out that she suffocated under his body weight, which is just so sad. On March 21st of that year, the bodies of Mildred and five-year-old Susan were discovered in a forest near the area, and they showed signs of torture and sexual assault after they were dead. After this tragedy happened, a local couple came forward and said that they had an experience with the same tall, dark-haired man that afternoon. He was driving behind them in a blue older model Chevy and flashed his lights for them to get off the road. He later would get out of his car and approach the couple, but they quickly reversed and somehow were able to flee the scene. After this, the detectives would find an abandoned building near the dump site. And this is reportedly the same structure that had been searched after Margaret Harold's murder. And they found a red button missing from Mildred's dress, which meant that she had been taken there after she was kidnapped. So investigators believe that the same person was responsible for both of these tragedies. Later on, an anonymous person would come forward, and he was later identified as a man named Glenn, who lived in Virginia. He first sent a letter to the authorities, and he suggested that they looked into Melvin Reese. He explained that Melvin was talking to him, and they were having these really deep philosophical conversations about murder and if murder was ever acceptable or not. He was under the influence of some kind of drug, and he just told Glenn all this stuff about how it's not really wrong to kill people, and it's not up to people to determine if that's right or wrong. And he said that they talked about this the day after the Jackson family disappeared. So after he heard about their murder months later, he suspected that maybe Melvin was involved. In his letter, he also said that he suspected Reese of Margaret Harold's murder in 1957 because at the time, he was working in the Annapolis area as a salesman. Authorities realized that they had to question Reese because he was a suspect at this point and the best lead that they had. So they went there to his house and they found out that he moved there and left no forwarding address. They searched for him at the jazz clubs but they still could not find him. They found that he went to the University of Maryland and dated a woman named Wanda Tipton from earlier. So they found her, and she says, okay, we had a relationship, but she says she broke it off after Reese claimed that he was married, which who knows if that's true or not. Police were finally able to get a hold of him. The media would find out about his arrest, and they dubbed him the sex beast. Pat was absolutely devastated about this. She refused to believe that Melvin had anything to do with these murders. 
He was very gentle and loving with her and never had a violent tendency at all in him. She really believed that he was innocent and she did everything in her power to convince everyone else that he was too. Melvin Reese was tried for the murder of Margaret Harold in February of 1961 in Baltimore. Her boyfriend that was with her at the time had identified him as the man that approached him and shot Margaret. So he testified on this, and also the gun found in Reese's possession proved to be a match to the bullet that killed her. So this made the jury pretty sure that Reese was the man that killed Margaret Harold, and they easily convicted him, and the jury sentenced him to life in prison for this. He was sent to prison, and in September of 1961, he was tried for the first-degree murders of the Jackson family. And this time, his murder journal was the factor that got him convicted, because he had descriptions of everything he did, and it was very, very specific. So he was convicted of their deaths, and this time, he was sentenced to the death penalty. During their search, detectives would find evidence that linked him to the sexually motivated killings of four other young women in the Maryland area. After he was sentenced, Pat Barrington collapsed and had some sort of breakdown. She was absolutely devastated and so confused about this, and it's really sad. She would never see him again, but the whole event definitely changed her life forever. Melvin actually gave a tell-all interview in prison in the year 1985, and that's when he admitted to all of these crimes. He told the reporter in the interview that he was also responsible for two other murders in the year 1956, and these were of Shelley Venable and Mary Fellers. His sentence was eventually changed to life in prison in the year 1972, but Melvin Reese died in prison in the year 1995 of heart failure. Pat Barrington continued to try to move on with her life. She did some acting, dancing, and modeling. She also dated comedian Lenny Bruce on and off for a while. She passed away on September 1st, 2014, at the age of 74 from lung cancer. Before her death, she was known for supporting animal rescue groups and being really involved in that. So that was the case of Melvin David Reese, a.k.a. the Sex Beast. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode because I know I enjoyed doing the research for it. I really enjoy interesting cases that, you know, you really have to think about. You have to think about why someone like that would do things like this and kind of the thought process behind everything and the factors going into his arrest and stuff like that. Thank you so much for listening to True Crime Works. If you have any ideas for upcoming cases, you can email me, truecrimeworks at gmail.com, and you can also send me a message on Instagram. It's at truecrimeworks, and you can see the logo there. I check that pretty much every day. Well, thank you so much again for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next week. It's really amazing how this man, Melvin, could go on, you know, playing at jazz clubs during the night and killing people also and killing them in such a sadistic way.
It's also crazy how no one around him, except the man that wrote the letter, suspected him of this. He just was able to have this kind of double life, and it's really scary to think that someone could do that. I also wonder just how many other women he murdered during this time. I wonder if he murdered more than the ones that he confessed to, and I wonder if there were more people involved. He definitely could have been responsible for the murders of men or children too, so I really wonder if the number's higher. I think the main thing about this that I'm really wondering is if he didn't have that conversation with Glenn, the anonymous informant, if he would have ever been caught because they had no idea, the police had no idea who was responsible for these murders until that man came forward. So if he would have just kept his mouth shut and went along with his business, would he ever have been caught? Would he have just been able to have this career as a musician and this side hobby of killing people? It's really crazy. I wonder what made him talk to that man or if he thought, oh, he'll never piece this together. And it's kind of amazing that he did, that Glenn was able to take that conversation and realize that something else was going on, something much darker. So I guess it's really important to follow your instinct when it comes to things like this. Mm -hmm. 